Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 49 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angela. And Angela, first things first, I have a proclamation I'd like to make. Go ahead. Facebook. Oh boy, them's fighting words. Oh, so let me explain, right? So usually on our show, we uh, we kind of explain how uh, bad Facebook is for people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And while on a theoretical level, I agree with it, when it enters my like real life realm, I get really, uh, really pissed off about it. So last week, uh, you guys, you and TJ from Pines and Puzzles, very graciously uh, gave me your best wishes as I had announced that I was recently engaged, and so uh, my fiance and I have decided to put that up on Facebook, which created a a cornucopia, if you will, of issues. Some people uh, complaining that I hadn't reached out to them beforehand. But the most egregious thing I think is uh, getting into a fight with my own mother over Facebook. It's a strange world we live in now, where we get into fights with our uh, older generation, our parents about Facebook. I get a two from my 78-year-old mom uh, asking me about pictures and when I'm going to put things on the internet, i.e. Facebook, so that she can see pictures. And I tell them that I send them through iMessage because they have an iPhone uh, that they never really look at. So I'm not even friends uh, on Facebook with my parents. Like, this is a blanket rule. No family members, excluding my sister, of course, who's uh, very close to me in age. But it's always been kind of that way. I've always tried to keep my parents at a distance in order not to create situations like the one I just entered. So I I made a Facebook post. And then uh, my mother had run into an ex-coworker of mine who said, hey, I saw that, you know, Brian was engaged. He wrote a really nice thing about being engaged. Um, Did you see it? My mother had to sort of lie and say uh, that she had. And then... Uh, I called her uh, on an unrelated matter uh, some hours later, and it kind of degenerated into a fight about, no, mom, I won't add you on Facebook. I think this is really stupid. And it was really uh, annoying to me because I felt like I was like 15 years old again. These are the fights we're having now in 2018. Uh, Most people this week have been angry about Facebook's uh, data issues. You, it's because it's causing friction between your mom and you. And her not being able to see what you post on the social network. Exactly. So at least uh, as a follow-up to last week, I know that my privacy settings at least don't allow the public to see what I'm saying, which is uh, good news, I guess. Uh, Bad news uh, for me and my personal life. Uh, I will continue to let you know and monitor the situation vis-a-vis my mother and the internet. You're going to have to start sending her pictures via carrier pigeon or something. I'm, I'm not even going to engage with that. And I sent her a nice picture. You know, that's that's the whole thing. It's just like, I don't want her... Because uh, I know I'm going to get those emails and those phone calls of like, what does this mean? And I don't want that in my life. And I know that she's probably already bookmarked my Twitter profile because she's made comments that she would have only known about had she uh, read my <laughs> Twitter feed. Uh, so she's already like invaded me uh, that much. That's a little easier to... Uh, follow too. Uh, what I always found funny about Twitter is that, you know, somebody will block you, which I know you've been blocked by certain people. Uh, the thing is, if you log out, you can always just see what they're still tweeting about. So blocking is a strange, strange thing to me. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't change anything. No, not really. Uh, so that's it. Do your parents have smartphones? My mother has some kind of Android. My father doesn't have a, a portable telephone. Uh, okay. That's <laughs> I'm picturing him at home with a rotary phone that's connected to the wall with a very long cord. Yeah, he doesn't have one of those brick phones from the early 90s, unfortunately. Oh, it's too bad. So, Angela, I had some high-tech problems this week, and you apparently had some low-tech problems this week, from what I understand. I, I kind of laughed to myself. I worked from home earlier this week, and um, at the end of the day, I uh, took out the trash, uh, went outside, chit-chatted with my neighbor, and... Uh, tried to get back into the house and the front door wouldn't open 
it was stuck. And it took me a few tries to actually get it fully open, and it saved me some embarrassment because I had no phone with me or anything, and I was outside. And it's kind of cold, not really cold, but I didn't have a coat or anything. And it would not have been pleasant to wait outside for about an hour or so longer before my wife got home. And um, I then went out again later on when my uh, wife had come home. And uh, this time, when I tried to come back in, I could not get the door open at all. And I literally had to ring the doorbell to have someone let me into my own home. Did your own child let you in? Is that what happened? No, it was actually my wife, but that would have been uh, very funny if it was my kid just letting me into the house. Uh, What happened is the door latch broke. That is a very low-tech problem. I had to undo the whole mechanism and look into it, and now I see that there's uh, something kind of wearing in there. I sort of fixed it for the time being, but I will have to go buy a new latch. But unlike most of the products we use from our favorite tech companies, I can actually open up my door and buy a $20 replacement part and fix it, which is something we've talked about. It's nice being able to do that. Last week, we talked about smart homes. It sounds like you're still living in a stupid home, but it is advantageous for you. Yeah, uh, I like my stupid door lock. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it does its job. Uh, it's a very minor little technical issue, but I just wanted to bring it up tonight and just to say that High-tech stuff isn't always the best. We might love our phones and computers and all that stuff, but... I very much do not this week. Well, no. Facebook is um, the death of you, it seems, it's just and it's driving a, you insane. It's an annoying thing. Yeah, absolutely. Moving along, though, something uh, recent that happened is a low-key uh, Apple event that you kind of uh, weren't super excited about, but uh, understood that it was happening. Well, it's as low-key as low-key can get when it uh, when it's an Apple event. Uh, they actually, it's the first one in ages, I remember them not actually streaming. Uh, it was held in a high school in Chicago, and it was um, completely based on their education stuff. And nothing really major was announced except uh, a new iPad. It's funny how, you know, a few years ago, Apple announcing a revision of an iPad would have been a major deal, but now it's like, meh, whatever. Uh, It's just a speed bump to their uh, low-end iPad, which they've now... uh, It's the same price for consumers, and they've reduced it to $299 for the education market. And so watching this... Well, I didn't watch it, actually. I I read about it because I didn't feel like watching it. It's, It's all well and good that Apple's trying to, like push into the education market more. They've always been very much associated with education. In fact, they were the one name uh, in the game when I was in elementary school. We all had uh, Apple IIs, so you can imagine how long ago that was. And we used to play uh, Logo with the little turtle. I think we've discussed this before on the show. Now, though, what do you think schools use? Uh, probably predominantly uh, lower end stuff, probably Windows stuff or uh, uh, equipment equipped with like a Chrome OS, I guess. In my wife's classroom, she has a few um, PCs, like older tower PCs, but they do use iPads. The issue is, and I, now I'm going to speak on how it works here in, in, in uh, where my wife works. She works as a teacher. The school board has to bid on certain things, right? And these companies put in their bids for what they're going to charge the school boards. 
And the thing with Apple, they never put in any bids. They're like, these are our prices. This is the educational price. You pay what, what we offer you. And if you don't want it, well, too bad. And what ends up happening is that all these teachers kind of accumulate money because they get money from different places. Uh, for example, my wife had a student teacher and she had some money from that. And they wait and wait and wait until the there's no bidding going on. There's no actual company in place and there's a few times, I don't know exactly how that works, but there's some times in the year where that happens. And at that point, everybody just rushes and buys as many iPads as they possibly can because that's what they like to use. Even though they're more expensive, they'll save up for them because that's what they like to use. The problem is, is that Apple stuff is so expensive that most schools can't afford to do that or they don't do that. And kids end up stuck with, I don't want to say inferior because I guess they get the job done and for the most part they do. The thing is, is Apple's right. The stuff they offer, they, they do offer the best educational tools. They really do. The problem is it's too expensive. Um, my kids are lucky enough that their dad's a big nerd and gets and buys his own iPads and stuff, and they get to use it. Um, I'll, I actually Instagrammed a picture of my daughter coding on my iMac. I don't know if you saw that earlier tonight. I sure did, and I liked it, which pay, it means that you're not paying attention to uh, the ways in which we interact online, but uh, that's okay. Well, so the thing is, is I don't check Instagram that often. I post something, I'll check a couple of times a day, and I have turned off notifications. So I was going to go check later before bed, and I would have seen you liked it. Um, so don't feel bad, Brian. I just didn't realize that you had liked it, okay? I'm sorry. This is a fracture in our uh, relationship that uh, I feel will be deepening uh, with time, but I do agree with your assessment that, uh, well, Apple stuff is great. It is way out of reach uh, for many people. Back in my day, we had a pencil and paper and we were fine. I don't understand what the deal is with these newfangled kids. Well, now you can have an Apple pencil and an Apple iPad and use those. That's actually kind of neat that the lower end iPad can now use uh, the Apple pencil. The thing is, is there's a great Boeing Boeing article um, I'm going to post in the show notes Um where uh, it was very short and a little cynical, I guess, but it kind of summarizes um, slightly how I feel where Apple's basically said, yeah, look, it's $299 and we, you can use this Apple Pencil. Oh, and, well, it's not included though. You have to pay $100 for that and you can use a, a keyboard and that's like probably another 100 or 200 bucks. So at that point, you've got a relatively mid-level Windows 10 or even high-end Chrome OS laptop. And that's what schools end up using, unfortunately. Or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. Speaking of iPads and technology, did you get any interesting electronic mail uh, since our last episode? Oh, I was wondering what you were asking about. And I was searching my brain, and now I realized what it was. You sent me a sort of greeting card with a special message. So it turns out that uh, you can send special greeting cards with messages year-round. It doesn't have to be event-specific. So I went ahead and uh, sent you a Happy New Year greeting card because I figure <laughs> it's time to celebrate. I really thought we were done with that. I was so happy that we got to this point without you saying those words. And here but, we are. but I didn't say them to you. I sent them to you, which I think is a subtle nuance that I was hoping you'd pick up on. And I, I honestly thought that when you sent that to me, it 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 signaled the end of you saying it on the show. And I guess you didn't really say it. Yes, technically you haven't said it on the show. Uh, well, I mean, I did in explaining what the card was, but I, my original intention was to have you say, oh, I received an electronic piece of mail 
uh, this weekend from a beloved friend who wished me uh, good tidings in this new year. Thank you. I appreciated it. I really, really, really appreciated it. I, I liked, I actually appreciated how our guest turned it around on you last week, which was fantastic. Oh, TJ did a great, yeah, he did a great job in acknowledging the happy new year and then shifting over to congratulate me on other stuff, which I thought was classy of him. Uh, so let's talk about, you know, let's go from like really exciting, fun stuff to really depressing, sad stuff uh, really quickly. And uh, let's talk about uh, killer cars. This kind of made me, it was a little depressing. Uh, Uber, which is not the best company in the world. Uh, can you agree with me on that? Yes, wholeheartedly. Yeah, they've got a, uh, they have, well, he's gone there, but their former CEO was kind of crummy and, well, kind of is, is kind words, actually. Uh, they've got some weird practices at Uber, uh, but they're still working on their autonomous driving, even though they kind of stole it, uh, sort of, from Google, which is another thing. Anyway, um, recently, their, one of their cars hit a pedestrian, and unfortunately, um, she died. And there's video footage of what happened. Well, um, it's it's not graphic or anything, but you do see that the way it happened, if it was a human, and there was a human behind the wheel as well, there was very little time to react. I, I think you can agree with me on that, Brian. Yeah, in the video, it did very seem very, very, very abrupt. She just appeared. The thing that really got me, there's a video of her coming out in front, and there's a video then of the driver. And what was the driver doing, Brian? Uh, texting, I think. Or he was on his yeah. phone, at least. I'm not sure if he was texting. He was on his phone. I think the whole point of testing these things is so that the driver is aware at all times so that you can try and prevent these things. Even the chief of police said he would probably not have been able to prevent it even if he was like ready to, to stop. But it is unfortunate that he was on his phone at the time, which is maybe there would have been more of a chance. I don't know. Um, the thing is, we can't just like completely stop doing anything with autonomous cars. What has it been now? Three, four years that they've been testing autonomous cars, and this is the first time a pedestrian has been killed by one of these cars. How many pedestrians die every day in the U.S. based on human drivers? Dozens, maybe? Hundreds? I don't know. Uh, I'd say, yeah, far more. I, I think the stats are in at least dozens. So even if if it happens every once in a while that an autonomous vehicle does strike a human and they die or get injured, I think it's it kind of outweighs many people getting hurt and injured and dying every day from crappy human drivers. Because let's face it, uh, human drivers are terrible. So I have good news for you. Our fellow Montrealer journalist, Tracy Lindemann, does agree with you with the Vice own uh, motherboard website. She has an article entitled, Don't Let the First Pedestrian Death by Uber's Self-Driving Car Freak You Out. And uh, it's an opinion piece about how we should, you know, uh, that technology by no means is perfect, but we should be, you know, giving it a try. So at least you're not alone in feeling that way. I, for one, want to go back to bicycles and horse-drawn carriages. So if anyone's interested in joining my Luddite moment, you, uh, movement, you can go ahead and tweet at us, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. You can send us an email over at doubledensity.net. And while you're at that, you can take a look at our host pages, click around, find some fun, interesting stuff. I think that's the blandest way I've ever described content, but hey, so be it, right, Angelo? Yeah, and I, I picture you as one of those guys when 
uh, cars started becoming more mainstream to yelling at the drivers of the oh, cars, will, yeah. telling to get the, get a horse. I will twirl my mustache and fight a car. That is not a problem. That used to happen. You know that, right? But yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm saying I want to bring that back. Yeah. So just get a horse. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I might even start like a GoFundMe or like a Kickstarter to like buy a, a, like a bunch of horses in a stable. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Probably not though. The double density horses. Um, I linked you to an article earlier this week uh, from Bloomberg about uh, YouTube's new strategy when it comes to passive music listening. Uh, So Lear Cohen, uh, Cohen, formerly of uh, Def Jam and Warner, and I don't know if you know this, but under uh, Lear Cohen's reign at Warner, one of your favorite bands, Paramore, uh, saw great success, thanks in part to him. Well, I'm like one of my favorite bands. I I think I discovered them way later than I should have, but also because... I was kind of old to be listening to Paramore. I think I discovered them actually through Rock Band 2. Oh, wow. You're really showing your age there. Yep. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so but I do Cohen, like them. Leo Cohen, uh, Leo Cohen at a South by Southeast uh, keynote speech, I guess, or just a talk, not a keynote speech, uh, was describing how he plans on frustrating some users with ads so that they pay for music. So um, apparently YouTube is going to be launching some kind of uh, paid music, music subscription service in uh, the coming months, and his plan is to shepherd those people from one to the other. Now, Angelo, I want you to kind of follow me on this. You ready for this one? I'm listening. All right. So he describes uh, explicitly... Uh, passive music listeners so people who don't necessarily go out and search for individual songs but they'll click on one song and then they'll let the endless related videos play over and over right okay so that's one facet of this um so we agree that like it's it's passive listening yeah uh and then he describes how he wants to put in more ads in between the songs so uh in order to both uh drive uh revenue as well as annoy people into uh going into a subscription model but to me angelo I think Lear Conan's describing what is commonly known as the radio. Yeah, that's pretty much the radio. And uh, people seem to not mind the radio. Uh, and they'll just go to YouTube where they can skip and choose other things. And I don't think this is going to work apart from just really annoying people. And anecdotally, I've noticed more ads on YouTube as of late. I don't know if this is related to that. But uh, my kids, as I've mentioned before, like to watch people play video games on YouTube for some reason. That's a, that's a thing uh, that they love. And uh, I've noticed more commercials. And some of the commercials, you know, they're watching Mario Odyssey or Zelda or whatever, something kid-friendly. And all of a sudden, there's a Call of Duty commercial, which I'm not happy about. So that's annoying for that, too. What's worse, though, Call of Duty or David Icke? Oh, my. Yeah, oh, no, Call of Duty's totally fine compared to David Icke. <laughs> uh, I wonder if there's, you know, you're listening to some Taylor Swift, and as Taylor Swift smoothly transitions into uh, a song from 1989 to something from her uh, most recent album, uh, there's a David Icke commercial. That would be kind of interesting. Either that or like an Alex Jones type, type of commercial? For some for some of his powders that help you uh, gain or, and or lose weight, that or are you tired of the government ruining your life, et cetera, et cetera, and like, oh, Hillary is nothing but a ghoul. You sound more like Jesse Ventura than um, Alex Jones. You know, he's someone who's had a really interesting career trajectory when you really think about it, right? So he went from the WWF slash WWE to movie stardom uh, to political office. And now he is really into fringe culture and he has been for a while, right? So he has a couple of books out about conspiracy theories. Um, and he's sort of, 
Uh, not necessarily like making the rounds, but I feel like when you want to talk to someone about these fringe topics, he's like a great talking head for a lot of the larger uh, media outlets. He's not, he's an interesting conspiracy theorist because he's a little more, let's say, realistic. He's not. Um, oh, yeah, I definitely agree that he's more grounded. Yeah, for sure. But I, he's I, not he's a still, truther or a birther or any of those errors. No, but he still believes in a lot of these things. I don't think he thinks, is he a 9-11 was an inside job kind of guy? Let's use Google. Okay. I just typed in nine eleven Jesse Ventura. Oh yeah, he's a he looks like he is. Uh. Today dot com has an, uh, um, an article from twenty ten that reads Jesse Ventura claims government involved in nine eleven. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, I've actually read his American Conspiracies book, which is like a, a kind of like two page per like like it's a primer on conspiracy theories, like a Dan Brown for conspiracies. Yeah, exactly. You feel like very fulfilled when you learn about different facets of uh, conspiracy culture. Wonderful. Unlike Bill Cooper's book, which is just uh, utter nonsense for pages and pages and pages, at least uh, Jesse Ventura respects uh, common ways of using punctuation as well as grammar. And if you haven't listened to our Bill Cooper ramblings, please go back to last week's episode and listen and listen and go mad with us all. A double density PSA. Don't you dare copy that floppy. Nor copy it. Who cares? And now going back to uh, after that huge divergence, um, YouTube commercials. Do you actually listen to music on YouTube? You have Spotify. I have Spotify. I very rarely will put on music. Sometimes I'll accidentally do it. You know, if I'm in the room looking for something and it goes to a music, like a music video or something or a song, I'll let it play for a while. Okay. Because I watch a lot of music on YouTube, but not like music videos or specific songs. I'll watch live performances. Um, or I'll watch, uh, I, I mentioned, did I mention this last week or I've mentioned that I've been watching a lot of Rick Beato videos. He's, um, he's a really good musician who kind of teaches you the production side of things and some actual lessons on theory, a little advanced, but, um, not too bad. And he has these, this great series called, uh, what makes this song great, which I highly recommend to everyone. And maybe I'll put some links. We actually mentioned Rick Beato a while ago. The whole reason I discovered him actually was when I was researching stuff for that whole audio file episode we did. Oh, right. The one where you got really, really angry about people spending a lot of money on stuff. Exactly. And he was the one who's assist- who we tested his assistant who had perfect pitch. I feel like I miss uh, Fiery Angelo. I feel like he hasn't been around a lot in the last couple of episodes. Wow. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. I find them okay. You got to get uh, heated, bro. I that's normally not my persona that doesn't happen and well we're we're almost at episode 50 and what i got excited like two or three times three times like and not like i get excited i'm really happy to do the podcast that like that's why we've done almost 50 episodes we've done i guess technically done more than 50 because we had a couple of bonus things in there um but yeah i don't know you 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 need to get me fired up i don't know this uh this there's uh are you, are you issuing like some kind of like like proclamation or you're throwing the, the gauntlet down like I got to figure out how to get you mad about something? Let's not do that. No, please don't get me angry. You don't want to like me when I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, ask some friends about this and see uh, what we can do about it. Uh, returning things very quickly back to Apple. Uh, today, we had a bit of an Apple issue uh, amongst uh, our our podcasting friends and you got hit a little hard about this and I was, was kind of interested. So a bunch of like Apple functions went down this afternoon, including uh, iTunes University, which no one cares about. Uh, but the the Apple Store <laughs> and the iTunes Store, there are some problems with that. 
Okay, well, what happened is I had uh, I noticed that around three o'clock I'd come back from a meeting and I kept getting this pop up on my phone saying the um, purchases can't be completed right now and I don't care. I'm not trying to purchase anything and this pop up kept coming up. Then it happened on my iPad too. So when that happens, you usually log out of your um, app store and log back in and it fixes it. It doesn't happen often though, if at all, but it didn't fix it. So then I sent you a uh, Google chat message asking if it was happening to you. And then your reply was like, dude, check the group DMs. And we have a group DM with um, that we, we talk a lot in this group DM because it's for our UFO book club with uh, Sam Fredrickson and uh, Rob Christofferson. And Rob had basically asked the same thing and it made me laugh. Uh, also, Rob wanted it uh, to be known that he was an Apple convert who is a little sad about the situation at hand and is now questioning his Apple faith. So, Angela, you must restore his Apple faith in the coming days somehow. Well, it it's, it should be restored already because the outage was not even for two hours. Right. Which I still, think is kind of existed. impressive. It still existed. It existed. Nothing is perfect. Today was a big day for Apple. They had a ton of updates, actually. They updated a whole bunch of um, core apps that um, not many people use anyway, but still. Um, there, there was a big hit on their servers, I guess. Did I say surfers? <laughs> you sure did, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, they are in California, I guess. And... Um, yeah, that's what caused the outage, and it's back. The most annoying thing that happened to me was that it signed me out of Apple Music, and because it signed me out, it deleted all the music I had downloaded. Uh, do you remember the music you had downloaded on there? Like, could you name some artists that you had temporarily not access to? Um, I had downloaded some um, churches and some uh, Radiohead. Have you heard of them? Radiohead? Who? Radiohead. They're a band from um, the United Kingdom. Um, I had downloaded some um, Olafur Arnolds. He's a composer and uh, film scorer. He did actually the film score, the score for Broadchurch. Um, I had the score from uh, Game of Thrones, which is all right. Pretty, I, I, great. I think I think we're good here. Uh, I so... had some Jewel. <laughs> I had Country Jewel, some... Country Jewel, or like OG Jewel. Um, the first two albums. Okay. Some Matthew Good. Some Tragically Hip. Some um, Gabrielle Applin, some Taylor Swift. The um, there's a really really good uh, playlist of if you like the theme song from Stranger Things, Carly where there's all these this great uh, synth film music. Actually, John Carpenter, you like that guy? I've seen him live. Yes. So there we go. All that stuff. I don't know if you'll keep all that in, or if people have just stopped listening. I, if they have, it's all your fault. I hope you realize. So two things, Angela. One, I'd like to take a moment of silence for this, for the great um, server outage of uh, 2018. So let's just do that for a couple of seconds. Okay. Secondly, I'd love it if uh, our listeners tweeted us, where were you during the great iTunes slash iTunes U outage of 2018 let us know let us know how it affected your life was it tragic was it sad did you have to contact a loved one uh does someone have to calm you down i'd love to hear all of your stories so go ahead and uh, tweet at us at double underscore density one last thing before we head on over to the uh paranormal side of things but actually before that do you care to uh theorize a conspiracy theory as to why um some of apple's stuff stopped working this afternoon i think it's uh mark zuckerberg trying to save some face of facebook and say, look, Apple screws up too sometimes. 
Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you're on my hit list. You've caused uh, rifts with my mother and I, so you're not my favorite person in the world right now. Good luck with Facebook. I don't believe you shall be leading it in the, uh, it, uh, I'd say, intermediate future. Like I give him another six months before they boot him, even though he has really? majority control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's going to boot himself. And look, let's end this with some real dystopian stuff. I love uh, that. Yeah. Uh, from The Atlantic, Renee Chan uh, had... Um, an article about China's new frontiers in dystopian tech. And I love the way it starts. Uh, dystopia starts with 23.6 inches of toilet paper. Apparently in uh, Beijing, there's um, in the, the Temple of Heaven, the restrooms there give you a very specific amount of toilet paper based on your face. And then you can't get any more toilet paper for another nine minutes um, because of your face. It is but one of the many more disturbing facets of this. I was reading um, an abridged version of this article today that was explaining to me that if you jaywalk, the government will give you a ticket by using uh, facial recognition software and uh, summarily making sure that you pay for your very egregious, egregious crime. If you jaywalk, they'll take a picture of you and then they'll kind of like post it on an overhead screen so everybody could see what it was. And then um, within 20 minutes, there's like pictures of you all over the place displayed on the crosswalk and everything. And then you have a few options of what you can do uh, in order to like serve your fine. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a $3 fine, which I guess is uh, significantly more than $3 here uh, for someone in China, a half hour course in traffic rules or 20 minutes. This is my favorite 20 minutes spent assisting police officers in controlling traffic. They just put you to work, Brian. Angela, I'm so glad we can laugh about a dystopian future that uses facial recognition software to do things uh, that are much more nefarious than simple jaywalking. I'm glad we're this callous. And now, uh, you know, the president of China could be president for life. That, um, and a certain other president said that that sounds like a pretty good idea. Well, we're not a huge surprise there, uh, given uh, how a certain orange president thinks. <laughs> Uh, once again, hello to all of the uh, NSA, CIA, and other alphabet agencies uh, using tracking software to listen in to everything that exists on the internet. We bid you good evening, and we hope that you are logging this uh, appropriately. Make sure you subscribe and rate us in the iTunes store, too. Yeah, please do. Uh, Amber Ray from Into the Purple did this week, and we were super, super happy to see that. So thank you, Amber Ray. And uh, if you haven't yet, check out Into the Portal. They have a History of Voodoo episode that I am about to listen to. I don't know if you had a chance to get into it yet. Listen to it, and it was great. Perfect, and, okay. Um, yeah, and their, uh, their music beds are getting pretty amazing uh, in the background when they explain stuff. It's kind of cool. And they also won, an, uh, they won something this week. Did you see that? I did not. Oh, um, they, yes, they, they won you... the, the Our Strange Skies book giveaways. Yeah, they won uh, Philip J. Corso's uh, Roswell book. Yeah. Maybe we should do a giveaway. If we get like, uh, let's say like, if we get what, like 10 iTunes reviews, we're at seven right now, we'll, uh, we'll do some kind of giveaway. Well, so that's confusing though, because we're at seven in the Canadian store, um, but I well, can't tell how many we have in the American store. So we actually, can't really we're look at, at it. I, I think we're at seven total, but we only see the Canadian ones. Really? Like the reviews. Know. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how that works. Maybe Anyways, one of either our way, other podcast friends who has more reviews can tell us how it works. Yeah, but one of our more successful brethren, if you can, let us know. Slide into our group DMs. We're around uh, for all of your uh, highs and lows, uh, whether it be uh, Apple servers uh, deciding to not let you listen to what you purchased, or you know, if you want to let us know how the internet works, we are huge fans of that. Yeah. So there we go. 
let's head on over to the paranormal side of things. Okay. Good evening, everybody, or morning or afternoon or whatever. My name is Adam. And I'm Matt. And we are Graveyard Tales. Now, if you like stories of ghosts, hauntings, the paranormal, preternatural, and the downright weird, and you enjoy a few laughs as well, then you should probably check us out. Find us anywhere you get your podcast. Come join our Facebook group at Graveyard Tales Podcast or on Twitter at G-R-V-E-Y. Just go search Graveyard Tales. That would be easier. We look forward to seeing you in the graveyard. See you soon. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So a very quick uh, story to lead things off this week. Yet another person has vanished inside of Russia's Dietlov Pass. According to the article, it's actually, there's been a few people um, in the last two years that have um, vanished and been presumed dead. Uh, it's the third person, actually. And the thing is, is that it's not all that strange, really. Not like the incident that it's named after, where that whole incident is completely bizarre and we have not covered. I don't know if we're ever going to cover that thing, um, but... Because uh, a lot of podcasts have done it, and they've done it very, very well, including Astonishing Legends. One of the that's one of my favorite things actually they've done. Uh, have you ever heard that one? That episode, no, not yet. I have a huge backlog of like audio content I need to get to, and there are only so many hours during the day. So thanks for podcast shaming me. Sorry, Brian. You and I don't know if we've mentioned this before. I think we have. Brian has an extensive, extensive archive of old coast to coast episodes. In his iPod. So um, nine people mysteriously disappeared there in 1959 in that section of Russia. Yeah, and uh, the, the pictures of that event, actually, because it was very well documented. They all had cameras. They were, they were on a trip to actually get licenses to teach people to hike, is my understanding of it. And just the way they died and the way it happened is so bizarre. Uh, I get goosebumps just thinking of it. But one person getting lost over there is not really that unheard of because it's not exactly like a walk in the park at all. It's it's really treacherous uh, terrain. It's not like going to hike uh, the mountain near my place here. Right, and that's the whole thing is that he disappeared all by his lonesome. Like He set out for a couple of weeks all alone, which is kind of problematic in that part of the world, I think, just based on geography and based on uh, natural forces. Yeah, and what made the actual original incident uh, where it gets its name from... Um, so strange is that how many were they nine or eight nine they're nine highly highly trained young fit people all died in such a strange way where only one of them survived and that's because he had uh, been injured and he had um i think he, he suffered from arthritis so he could not continue and that's what saved them. But we don't, we'll never know exactly what happened. I don't think it's where we're going to find out. Uh, some people like to think it's aliens. Some people like to think it's uh, something to do with um, sound waves. All kinds of different theories. A Yeti, uh, that one which I really have a hard time believing. Who knows what happened? All you can know is that they seemed to have been scared by something. And I think it's 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 really good to note that, yeah, as you were saying before, it's kind of, it's not a walk in the park. It's not Miami Beach, especially in the month of February. Uh, it is treacherous terrain. It is unfortunate. 
Um, so yeah, I, I don't necessarily think it is something like a Yeti, but could it have been 9-11? Who knows? I, I'm not sure of this. 9-11? No, I don't think so, Brian. I tried. I tried. I really did. <laughs> um, All right, Jesse. You uh, took an interesting picture this week that you put up on your social streams um, that I kind of wanted to get into in terms of uh, uh, hoaxes and things that people see in the sky that they believe are other things. And um, we often describe and talk about the way in which uh, a lot of um, self-reported UFOs and other sort of like a sort of phenomena are actually just uh, natural in nature. And uh, there's a large percentage of uh, reports uh, that are uh, natural in nature, including visions of the planet venus i was driving home with my family on sunday evening just before sunset so the sun was very low and the sky was bright and there was a bright light and driving i thought oh that's that's a that's an airplane i guess oh it's not moving at all and then it kept following us and it kept being in the same spot very bright not moving and you know it's still sunny sort of out cuz the sun's ha- the sun has not set completely so you, you can't be a star and then i realized oh that's venus no wonder like i i'd normally not seen it at that time and if i had i'd forgotten whatever but that's why it seems so bright and so astounding you do not think that's a star or a planet or anything you have your brain automatically assumes that's a light of some kind that's uh, man-made or alien-made or whatever, but not natural light. Um, but in fact, it was the planet Venus. I took a picture of it. It's not super great. My, my, I was driving. My wife took the picture as we were driving, so it's not not an easy shot to take. Hold up. So I, originally, you said that you had taken the picture, and now you're saying your wife is taking the picture. Is my this photo changing? Is this my photo doctored? Changing. No, it's just that. Uh, do you want me to say I was driving and taking pictures? No, I wasn't doing that because that's dangerous. Uh, no, my wife took the picture as because uh, she could frame the shot a little better. I think uh, this is a really good point to make. Humans are fallible, and I think you and I have uh, discussed the idea on the podcast before of uh, eyewitness uh, reliability being uh, not the highest, and I think you just proved that point to yourself without realizing it. <laughs> Big news this week as to the stars, the Tom DeLong Helms uh, media slash uh, scientific enterprise kind of mishmash of things uh, seems to have gained some credibility in some uh, circles as uh, Gary Nolan, a uh, member of the Department of Microbiology and Immunology at Stanford, uh, decided to align himself uh, with to the stars and release a report on the Atacama skeleton, which was the subject of of a Stephen, or not the subject, but it was like one of the main elements of the Stephen Greer series documentary from uh, a couple of years ago. And so this is not new. Uh, in 2013, actually, Gary Nolan was uh, part of a group studying this, uh, this mummified skeleton. And even in 2013, he had determined that it was definitely human. It's just now some more information has come out. They've had more tests done. And like you said, he's completely aligned himself with uh, To the Stars, which I find kind of interesting. That's such a, um, how do I say this, uh, a real scientist, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is, but like, you know, he's, he's, he's part of the Department of Microbiology and Immunology at Stanford University. So he's not like some rinky-dink uh, outfit. Um, he's aligned himself. And the best part about this is that 
they go out of their way to say this is not aliens just sort of like to give like the one-two punch to uh, Stephen Greer which I think is great I think so too and I mean the thing is that like um, Stephen Greer has spent like the better part of of more than two decades at this point uh Touting the idea of uh, UFO disclosure, right? The idea of um, the government telling us the truth about extraterrestrials. And it's always been around the corner, right? Like, so he had that press club thing, what, like almost like 20 years ago now at the, at this point, right? Wow, it's that long, but you're right. It has been that long. And, uh, you know, he had this serious documentary where the, uh, the skeleton, which was nicknamed Ada amongst the staff, uh, was prominently featured. And so the thing is that um, Gary and company were able to map 92% of uh, the genome exactly to uh, a normal human. And then the eight were kind of like a mutation of uh, DNA sequences. And the interesting thing is that, so a man of science, right? So like a Gary Nolan PhD uh, would state that just because the 8% is anomalous does not make it extraterrestrial in origin. While other people... Um, would piggyback on that claim and use it in order to prove the idea of uh, an extraterrestrial existing. Stephen Greer is claiming that, you know, uh, this other 8% could be uh, alien in nature, which is, of course, is the logical conclusion for someone with uh, a vested self-interest in continuing your empire would jump to. And that's the thing. You have to understand, just because something is anomalous doesn't mean it's not earthly in nature. Uh, And, of course, a scientist like Nolan is going to want to look into it from a point of view that has been established. Obviously, what's the point of going crazy and looking for something that is, you know, not of this world when we have explanations that we can find on this world? And I think the 8% is kind of what that initial study he did in 2013 was looking, uh, didn't find, but now they've kind of figured it out a little bit more. And... Greer, I don't think, is very happy about this. What I find fun is that uh, Greer was on Rogan's podcast, and then um, Tom DeLong was on Rogan's podcast, and I think now they're kind of like having a little fight, and they should have it on Rogan's podcast. They should definitely have it out. And yeah, the thing is that like uh, Greer claims that he never uh, specifically suggested that the um, the tiny human was ET nature, but when you sort of um, place that content in the middle of two bookenders that explain uh, extraterrestrial life the inference is pretty big so that's what happens in the uh, in the documentary series like the the narrative threads you follow one of them is this alien then he kind of tries to make a case for extraterrestrial life and I, I do think that, like the idea of, of mixing both together is not by accident but definitely by design and you have you watched Sirius I watched it. It was it was on Netflix, and I think I watched it like four years ago. But thankfully, I scrubbed most of that from my brain. But I do remember there being sections. So the first one was him um, kind of discussing, discussing the plausibility of extraterrestrial life forms, and then getting into uh, Ada's body, and then like kind of making the point of like where do we go from here? Because I had asked you if you wanted me to watch it to talk about it on this. It's not, segment, uh, and, not worth it. Not worth it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I did watch his other documentary, Unacknowledged, which was kind of garbage too, but. Um, it's Greer. I I find this so interesting that people flock to him thinking he's some sort of an authority where uh, like the the in the know ufologists realize that he's just sort of like a huckster of some kind where he also used to sell special flashlights so you can call UFOs down. Was it him? <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's who you're buying into over there. Uh, no, he's not a serious researcher. Sorry. He may have a doctor in front of his name, but uh, he's not a good one. 
Yeah, and the thing is, like, he used to be an emergency room doctor in the mid-90s before uh, embarking on this whole other career. And, uh, uh, you know, last week we were talking about Alex Jones and sort of, like, the way that he keeps his business going is by his, like, supplements and things like that, right? And I feel like anyone in the paranormal realm sort of has this, like, um, marquee value to them where they have evidence just right around the corner. And it's always... Drives me crazy. Well, the whole thing is that, like, your storefront is where you make all your money, right? So in in this case, you're talking about the flashlights, you're talking about the weekends that you can spend with Greer, you know... um, going to camp basically with him yeah and and uh, to that end this to me is a bit of a positive for the two of the stars academy which we had poo-pooed at the beginning but not bad i'm kind of impressed and that that's kind of the point i wanted to make this week is that originally like we all laughed obviously at tom DeLong and his idea of wanting to create an anti-grav machine and then like all of these other pursuits and then you know uh getting the three videos uh, out uh, the third of which which we talked about a couple of weeks ago which wasn't um super interesting or thrilling uh but existed uh nonetheless and now yeah he's got some credibility and i think that's a great move in order to establish himself in um areas that he and his cohorts may have originally been lacking in this is actually some great debunking and and useful debunking not um this is something that was needed to say look if you guys are holding up the skeleton as something that proves aliens exist no it's a very sad story of a, a baby that died uh, maybe in childbirth, maybe before, um, that had these insane uh, deformations, but was human. It's just a, very, it's just sad. That's all it is, and it's definitely not an alien. Although it looks like the classic alien, it's sort of a bit of pareidolia there too. You're kind of like placing your own idea of what an alien should have looked like on this skeleton. Yeah, I definitely do agree that, like at first glance, you're like, oh, this is really weird. It must be alien nature, and. Uh... Then in reading the actual article, you're like, oh, uh, no, it's not. It's just a sadly uh, deformed uh, would-be human being. And that is the thing. When I was originally given the link last week, I was I saw the To the Stars link, and I said, oh, man, this is going to be weird. And I read it, and it was uh, science. It was actual science yeah. and actual debunking. And it kind of made me mad because I understand that To the Stars <laughs> themselves want this like brand uh, you know, to be trustworthy, et cetera. But I just, I wanted some hyperbole. I wanted some crazy claims. I wanted to the stars to go like all out with this. And of course they did not, which is fine. I'm completely okay with that. And the end result actually, I think is better uh, with this instead of my approach where they would have gone insane with this, but I'm still uh, baffled a little bit, I guess, as, as you were trying to state before too. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. And then, of course, Greer comes out swinging on Twitter uh, post-publication of uh, <laughs> Nolan's uh, information, et cetera, et cetera. And then he just, you know, he goes on and on to explain that, you know, we're not sure what it is, et cetera, et cetera. And he's trying to gain a foothold of credibility, of course. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, uh, what do you think of Greer's uh, insane replies? Well, my favorite one is the last one. I'm going to read it out loud to you, okay? So, uh, a Please. pioneer of DNA research, colon, a non-expert might not have noticed it, but I'm fairly sure that Nolan and colleagues planned a fake analysis right from the beginning. They included lots of random mutations in their sequences by intent by emitting a standard treatment to remove them. So, the thing is that now he is uh, doubling back on the information he used for his own documentary that um, Nolan had established years and years ago, Um and now he's saying that they're all disinfo agents, which of course plays into the classic conspiracy theory tropes. But that's what you do. That's uh, <laughs> that's how you actually get out of it at this point. Is that since there's no other recourse, you just say they're lying because that's what the government wants you to believe and what's wa- what it wants them to do. 
Right. So uh, Greer created CSETI, so the uh, Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, in the early 90s. He's been at this. It's now his third decade, and he's about to go into his fourth decade of, of all of this. And what do we really have to show for it in terms of disclosure uh, concretely? Nothing. And he's made some money from some crummy documentaries. And merchandise. Yeah, that's... He's not interested. I think at this point, he's he maybe had an interest in it. At this point, he's just kind of having fun that he's making some money off of this, uh, these ideas he's peddling that are completely wrong. Right. And, and uh, 2018 is the 20th anniversary of him starting the Disclosure Project. And for it, we have... Um, he claims to have hundreds of hours of uh, testimony from... Uh, old government agents and civilians involved in various uh, secret projects, et cetera. But there's, there's no, no proof. Like I'd love it if he disclosed something concretely. And that's the only way I think in which he can come back at to the stars because effectively uh, the jig is up, I think in terms of like the gas tank of the disclosure project kind of running uh, lower and lower as uh, time continues. This is always how it happens, though. We we keep saying this. These these people that claim to have this amazing evidence, they're never able to present it. Something always goes wrong, and they never show it. And of course, because they don't have it, they just they're just all talk. So instead of giving Stephen Greer or any other uh, storefront money, why don't you just give it to us? Honestly, double density podcast at gmail.com. We're open for sponsorship opportunities. <laughs> You're always peddling. I gotta, I gotta, yeah. and <laughs> I always gotta pedal. Well, yeah, I, 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 I do feel like this. I think is a defining moment for to the stars and for them to continue the work over the next year. Let's say, like, I think they they need to do a lot more um, of this type of work in order to establish themselves and gain the credentials they need in order to be taken seriously amongst those who know. Because people who don't know much about um, conspiracy theories and paranormal culture and UFOs and things like that saw the New York Times article in December and, and really, really, it resonated with them. But two people in the know who have more than a passing familiarity with a lot of this, we kind of shrugged, as you were saying before, and I agree with that. But I, I think that, like, Tom DeLonge and company need, like, Luisa Lozano, and, and et cetera, et cetera, need to move forward in a strategic, positive way by planting more of these projects and debunking more myths while obviously, quote-unquote, searching for the truth. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually impressed. They've, they've gone out of the gates pretty quickly. Uh, and I'll have to give them a gold star to the, the Stars Academy for this one. <laughs> I should have uh, seen that one coming. Uh, Stephen Greer, I hope to see you around, buddy. Let's talk. I don't know. Yeah. And look, if somebody were to give you some money, Brian, what would you buy with that money? So I, uh, I sent you a link on Twitter a couple of days ago. And this is sort of independent from a project we're working on. But um, <laughs> there's a Kijiji ad up uh, in the Montreal area. Uh put up supposedly um by members of the uh Raelian UFO religion in which they're selling a lot of their sort of discarded gear so uh, included uh in there are several paintings several picture frames a gigantic treehouse sized UFO and more and of course me being me I decided to uh, go ahead and put a bit in of a hundred dollars um, but were I to get more from everyone else, that would be great. But yeah, so Raelians are busy um, putting their gear up on Kijiji. So if you're in the Montreal area and you want to buy some stuff, uh, you'll probably see a lot of it in the coming weeks and months. And uh, this was kind of appropriate considering uh, what we're planning. Right. So beginning with... And that's to start our own UFO cult. Yeah, well, I clearly... Um, 
bow down to the presence in the sky. Firstly, I think we should start with that, right? Yes, of course. And then secondly, to the stars people, uh, no pun intended, we believe in you. Please save us from eternal uh, living on Earth. Gold star to them. Gold star to them, yeah. Uh, thirdly, though, and more seriously, uh, we are planning a series of episodes based around uh, religions um, formed due to UFOs or have like UFOs in their tenants. So, you know, religious uh, societies, I guess, in nature. And, you know, also like a couple, we'll talk about some UFO cults. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a three or four part series beginning with episode 52 because Angelo and I are adults who plan ahead. You know, you read my mind because I was actually going to say that we've actually planned ahead for the next couple, well, like several episodes where we're going to, we know exactly what we're going to talk about. Uh, we have episode 50 coming up next, which is, um, we're going to do a clip show. No, we're not going to do a clip show. Uh, but we're going to kind of go back and look at stuff we've uh, talked about just to give everybody some updates and we'll be diving deep into ufo culture uh talking about ufo religious movements as well as ufo cults we'll be talking a little bit so the interesting thing is that like while rael um started out in france he moved to uh our neck of the woods and um sort of gained infamy there and so uh, the interesting thing is that we can dive in deep locally uh beginning with uh Raelians, and we'll also be touching upon other ufo uh, religions around the world but we thought we'd figure we'd start with uh, the locals. So, yeah, if you are interested in a treehouse-sized UFO, let me know. We'll put some money together. We'll give another bid to the Raelians. And, hey, maybe my parents will end up with something great in their yard. Yeah, or a nice little wedding present for yourself, Brian. Yeah, uh, my fiance uh, found out what I was planning on doing, and she told me, you are not doing that. So I'm defying her. It's for the podcast. And I told her that, too. But she also makes the very good point of we have nowhere to put a gigantic-sized UFO right now. Well, it'll go in my backyard. There you go. Uh, would your kids be cool with that? They'd be very cool with that. I am not going to get into Raelians uh, at this point, but there's a lot of interesting, um, fun tidbits of stuff that I can talk about uh, later on in the episode. So starting with episode 52. But until then, let us close the chapter on episode 49 of Double Density. Uh, tune in next week as we talk about our favorite topic, s'mores. Oh, I thought it was going to be Rod's. No, uh, Rod's is episode 57. We've already discussed this. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Uh, and without uh, further ado, you can reach us on Twitter at double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. Go and head over to double density.net. Click on the shows tab to see all of our episodes and find out ways in which we you can subscribe to us. Uh, click on the host links to find out more about us. And you can also contact us straight through that form. Yeah. And you can check out our own little socials there on the website, clicking on those funny little buttons with the little pictures on them. Because that's how I talk because I'm old now. And you are confused, and it is okay, Angela. We will make sure that Apple never goes down ever again. That would make me sad today. I was scared for the hour and a half that it was down with no music. It was frightening. Uh, no, it wasn't. I, I guess as, as a quick last note, Stephen Greer, I hope to see you uh, on the street or around, I don't know, at an event. Let's hang out. Let's talk. I feel like your future uh, in ufology isn't what you thought it would be. But hey, I have two ears and a heart. I will listen to you. I wonder if he would ever listen to this podcast and if he would ever come on. That would be pretty funny. Would you want him on our show? Absolutely. I would absolutely love him to come on our show. Great. Stephen Greer. That's <laughs> Angelo, Stephen Greer. I will see you guys later. See you, Brian. Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> Should have prepared me.